Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ tissue and eye donation. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreaux. I'm Sarah Blakemore. Coming up on the Gifted Life today. We will be talking to friends from San Antonio, Texas. (laughs) Not only pioneers in the transplant world, but certainly promoting a culture of donation. I love it. And self-esteem and social media. All that and more right here, guys. And again, we thank you for listening to the Gifted Life. Here we go. Here on the Gifted Life Podcast, we are so excited to introduce you to our two newest friends, Miss Jennifer Milton and Dot Delarosa. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hey, everyone. All right. I'm so glad you guys are with us. So Jennifer is the administrative director at University Transplant Center in San Antonio, Texas, and the incoming chair for Donate Life America. Dot is a long recipient, 2010, long recipient from 2010, outstanding volunteer, Donation champion, uh, just all around good human. So we're going to put these ladies together on this podcast because what an incredible story. Joe, you ready to dive in? Yes, I am. And I've heard, of course, a lot about Dot's story. Uh, and you talk about being that donation champion. I kind of want to start it, if I can, Jennifer, with you. I am the chief clinical officer here at Lopa in Louisiana, and I work closely with all of the uh, transplant administrators at the different transplant centers. And I know that you guys are so tasked, so inundated uh, with, you know, keeping the wait lists, you know, in other words, making sure that the patients are are, uh, you know, doing everything that they, they need to do to, to stay on the waiting list and, of course, following up. And then, of course, everything that takes place, you know, post-transplant. I'm curious, what uh, spawned the idea or what, what kind of initiated the whole idea of promoting the culture of donation, organ donation, and really tying that loop? Uh, it's something I don't always see and, and I love when I do see it. Oh, thanks. I I think it's a great question. I don't get asked that a lot. Um, But I was originally, I entered the field of donation and transplantation 26 years ago um, as a organ procurement coordinator for what was then called SCOPA um, in South Carolina. And um, I worked in the ICU and managed a donor and um, he turned out to be a donor. I'd really not been educated about donation um, while I was in nursing school, and I thought it was the most amazing 24 hours in healthcare I'd ever spent, and um, I've sort of been in love with it ever since. And when I made the move over to the transplant side, um, everybody would sort of jokingly say to me, oh, you're going to the happy side. And um, and really quickly you realize um, that transplantation is just rife with heartbreak and that at the end of it all donation and transplantation donation is um is what really saved a lot of donor families lives and i for me it was just a really natural fit to make sure everyone that worked at a transplant center every recipient that we cared for every surgeon that had a hand in this field really knew the facts about donation and the donation process and the agencies that do it 
and um, and really understood what a gift it was to the donor families and those that survived a tragedy. So I think that's um, really just um, I was raised right, as um, yeah. Nancy like K used to say in South Carolina. <laughs> it, it's true. I started as a, uh, an OPC organ procurement coordinator myself uh, in the beginning of my journey 18 years ago. And uh, and and of course, that connects us. You know, Jennifer, you can see, as you mentioned, how much that impacts the donor families and, and the positivity that it brings for them. I'm curious. Well, actually, I'll, I'll hijack for a second. We have uh, borrowed you guys uh, lung protocol and have been using that for quite some time, but that's a sidebar. Thank you guys for that. <laughs> uh, but how, I wonder, so how difficult was it to to change, you know, the 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 culture like you did, you know, of one that's so focused on the, the patients themselves to one that's, you know, promoting the donor side like it has. I actually ended up giving a talk about this um, at Donate Life America's annual meeting a few years ago, and I called it All In. And um, I had read a book by Stephen Potter. It's called The Heart of Change. And it was really a, a management leadership book. And what that book over and over just reinforced is that if you really want to change people's behavior, you need to touch their hearts. And that people's stories and that the human side of what you do um, can change people's behaviors forever. And being at a lean, Toyota lean, uh, you know, kind of a quality focused hospital, it really just kind of hit home that we here we are in transplant and we don't do enough to constantly reconnect to mission and instill that that passion back into um, all that we do. Um, so we I, I started out small and did a few small things here so that we really shift. We I wanted to shift us away from as a transplant center, shift us from being an every April organization to an every time organization. We're a transplant center, but we're a very large donor hospital. And so we began with lots of small things that we were doing all trying to really take those employees at the transplant center and and connect them to a donor family event or a donation event or um, a recipient story. And what really happened is that um, it was like, um, I hate to even use the phrase here in Texas, but like the spread of the measles. <laughs> it was completely contagious that that like everything you ever read in healthcare management and general leadership is that um, a person who is infused with a sense of mission and they're passionate about what they do and they they believe it, um, they're better employees, they stay longer, and they deliver better care. So people just kept bringing ideas to me. Well, why can't we do this? And what? Well, let's do this and let's do this. So um, we have a lot of programs and DOT um, is, is um, I know, is joining us and is one of the real vectors of that and, and our recipient, but um, our whole orientation for new employees is called the Steward of the Gift. We um, have a donor flag raising program every single time there's an organ donor in our hospital that the transplant center staff join the donor family and we raise that flag together and and Dot can tell you a lot more about what she does to really take that donor flag on to the next level. Um, we have a faces of transplant story, um, and I, I could just go on and on for you, but but at the end of the day, it just keeps snowballing and getting bigger because the staff love it so much, they want to do more. 
I love it. So honoring heroes, celebrating life. We have that here in Louisiana as well. And it's so, it's such an honor to be a part of it. Yeah. Here in at Lopa, when we are working with families, we like to call ourselves dual advocates because we're advocating not only for those who are waiting for the gift of life, but for the families who are giving the gift of life as well. So I wanted to ask Dot a question about her work with the recipients in the hospital and has she noticed a difference in gratitude with the patients she's working for who are receiving the gift? Um, yes. Uh, what an honor, of course, first of all, to be here and uh, be talking to you guys. To be able to talk to, I call them my trans future transplant brothers and sisters and or transplant siblings, mm-hmm. to be able to talk to someone, you know, on that same level that understands that where I could understand what they're going through. You know, I didn't have anyone really that I could say was my partner uh, that I could speak to, to help me, to guide me, uh, to calm, you know, my fears, to let me, you know, give me insight patient to patient you know, what to expect uh, for transplant and or after, what to look for. So it's been huge. It's been, an, an, you know, just a wonderful journey and opportunity that I am able to give back uh, to my fellow recipients and, and transplant siblings. Uh, so it's good to hear them say, you know, Dot, thank you that, you know, because, you know, a patient will talk or a recipient will talk to a recipient and know that they're going to understand. Mm-hmm. They have their loved one, their caregiver. They're not going to understand. They might express to them what they're feeling, but they're not going to be able to understand what a recipient actually goes through. So to be able on a recipient level and future recipient level, uh, be able to connect with someone, I think that's so important and crucial in the transplant journey. Dot, I uh, work out in the community. I work with the volunteers, and I love how Jennifer um, described you when we were prepping powerhouse volunteer. (laughs) I love that, Dot. All right, so long recipient from 2010. Um, So give us some background. Tell us what life was like uh, before you received that gift and why you were so grateful and do so much to help make life happen. Well, I I want to touch a little bit, if I can, about what Jennifer shared, why she started. And I thought, I think back, when did I become, when when did I register to become an organ donor? I remember being 27 years old and thinking, you know, if I can help someone, you know, I definitely will sign up, not knowing that, you know, just a few years later, I'd be the one actually in need of a, a transplant. So that's pretty amazing, you know, that I believe if you're a giver and you want to help when it's your time to need something, mm-hmm. something major, life-saving gift, mm-hmm. I believe it'll be given back to you. So, yeah, I, you know, was just living my normal life, very active, uh, and uh, a minister, uh, very, you know, I was a telephone operator, uh, director assistant, you know, 411, and just, you know, went through my, my days and my years, and I started gradually knowing, uh, noticing that I had a, a dry cough, which just escalated, progressed so much that uh, I became short of breath. And I thought, you know what, I think I need to go see a doctor, even though I was physically well. I'm just going to see a a pulmonologist. And when you hear that first word, pulmonologist, and you're first uh, sitting with your pulmonologist, he's like, you need a transplant, you have two to five years to live. I mean, it throws into a shock. You start hearing words that you've never heard of of your whole life, you know, uh, pulmonary fibrosis, uh, transplantation, two to five years of life. And you're like, what's happening again? Mm. And you start to question and think, okay, I came to this doctor, this professional, and he's telling me what? 
So you second guess that, and you're like, you almost don't want to believe them, but then you under, then you, you coincide that with what you've been feeling. But our bodies are so amazing that they learn to compensate for that body part that is lacking. So like, yeah, I knew I had, you know, some issues, but I didn't know how drastic they were. So thankfully, you know, I met this pulmonologist, and I heeded his call, and uh, sure enough, I ended up uh, needing the lung transplant. I uh, went from having some shortness of breath and having a, a, a dry cough to needing oxygen 24-7, being wheeled around in a wheelchair by my, you know, my mama, uh, you know, not being able to do much of anything, gasp. You know, by the time I was listed for transplantation, I can literally say I was gasping for air. I wasn't even breathing. I was gasping. How did that first breath feel that, you know, after you transplant that you're no longer gasping? It's incredible. Uh, I doubted that even because being on oxygen 24-7 for 18 months prior to that, you don't believe it because I was so used to living a certain way and breathing with my limited capacity. So now I have this full breath and I'm like, what's happening to me again? Mm -hmm. I had to literally learn how to breathe again because that was my norm. Not having, you know, that full breath was my norm. So it was pretty, it was psychological, but it was amazing that I was able to actually inhale and exhale. Mm -hmm. Like a fire hose of oxygen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's funny is that I got so used to having my cannula, I call it my binky, that even though, you know, I was thinking, I need it, I need it. The doctor's like, you don't need it, Miss Delarose. I'm like, I do. (laughs) (laughs) You can keep it. And of course, later on, my mom's like, yeah, all the nurses would turn off the oxygen at night, you know, just so that psychologically just to help me. But uh, yeah, eventually I got rid of it. (laughs) (laughs) I realized I could breathe okay. So what do we know about the hero who saved um, your life? And um, if you haven't met, um, what are you thinking about telling that family um, if you do? I know very limited uh, information, which probably more than most, and not even because of me, but somehow I got went through the pipeline that you know this uh, my donor was a female. Uh, she was like maybe thirty, early early thirties, and that she was uh, from Oklahoma. What I would say, I mean, I, I think about that every day. I think that's a huge part of why I give back now is because every time, oof, get emotional here. Every time I. Uh, Every time I'm allowed to uh, be at a donor flag raising, every time I'm allowed to uh, be at an event where we're honoring donors, whether it's with the gift of sight or we have our memorials that we have for them, I'm thanking my donor, you know, and I just don't know. I don't know if there's an emotion that I would have for my donor family, but I would just say, of course, thank you. Uh, a million times thank you um, because of your loved one, because of your, you know, your family member. I, I'm able to live. I have, I'm a 9.3 bonus years. I'm able to see my mom, you know, overcome cancer and be cancer free now. I'm able to see my nieces grow up, my great nieces, you know. Remember one specific event where my niece, you know, was 10. She's 13 now. She's like, Aunt Dot, what can I get you? I said, baby, the fact that I'm alive oh. to be here present with you, to be 10, that's all the gift that I need. And, and every day is a gift. And every day, I, you know, I honor my organ donor because I know someone, uh, you know, gave their life for me. But I also understand. And because I'm, that's why I'm so grateful to Jennifer for allowing me to, to be able to volunteer and give back to our amazing hospital is because I know that I'm honoring my donor every single time. You know, I'm honoring them and I can, and I have that empathy for them as a recipient, but also understanding that while I'm celebrating, yes, it's wonderful. It's amazing. These 9.3 years, but 
they're also mourning. They're mourning the loss of their loved ones. So I want them to know that I love them. Never met their loved one, but I love that person. And every day, ever since that first breath, I'm, I thank them. I thank them, and my family thanks them. And uh, uh, really, and, and that's not even enough. Thank you is not even enough. But just to let them know that because of them, generations and future generations will know. My niece, one of my nieces, is a nurse, a transplant ICU nurse, because oh. of this, and she even tells me, God. And uh, if you hadn't gone through your journey, I don't know if I would be a nurse. Oh. My little, the same 10-year-old one that's now 13, she had a whole project for her school on pulmonary fibrosis and wanting to find a cure and signing up organ donors. And I'm oh. like, wow, the impact of, of just my life, which is just one of millions that, you know, organ donation has saved. But, I mean, they're just, they're just no words. There are not enough books for me to just say thank you, you know, to, to my organ donor, to my donor family. But... Uh, there's just not enough words. Just simply thank you and I love you and God bless you. Wow, that's, I mean, that's truly incredible, the words you've said. I work with a lot of donor families and I know that there are times that they don't ever meet their recipients. And so I know just hearing words of gratitude from you is going to be incredible for so many people. And even to tie it in with, you know, Jennifer and the work that you're doing and the culture that you're bringing to the transplant center is I know there's a lot of families out there right now who are smiling. I know this in the studio right now, we've all got very big smiles on our face. And we just wanted to say thank you so much to everything that y'all do. Dot, I wanted to ask if there's been, and all the work that you do with not only recipients, but with donor families, has there been a moment or a memory that you have that's been, in, that's been very powerful for you that you'd like to share? Absolutely. Um, there's one quite simply just recently. I was able to meet this donor family, and when I and along with Jennifer, when we do our flag raising, you know, I linger and I talk to them a little bit. And when I tell them I'm Dot, you know, and I introduce myself and I tell them I'm a lung recipient, and this particular family, they jump back and said, "You're a lung recipient!" Like to see that their reaction, you know, because you you never know, you know, how a donor family is going to react. But to see that reaction, and then for her later and the, the whole family to say, you know, Dot. We hope and pray that our um, our loved one, this particular family, that our loved one has, you know, a recipient like you that is giving back, that is living their best life, that is honoring their our loved one, you know, every day of their life. So to me, that was like like the most impactful thing that anyone could have said, because I feel like that's like my organ donor saying, you know, thank you, God. You know what? We didn't make a mistake. We're grateful for making that signature. And I think and another uh, time, I think even Jennifer was present when uh, they just shared with me, and, and I so appreciate their feedback. They said, God, you know, we weren't sure about signing, you know, for our loved one to be a donor, but seeing you just confirms and affirms that we made the right decision. Dot, you sound just precious. I'm just in love with Dot. So, Jennifer, you were right. And I'm so excited because I know in 2018, you're a part of uh, the Donate Life Float in the Rose Parade. We have featured that here on The Gifted Life. So we hear stories from families that we send to be a part of that. Um, But that experience, could you just tell us shortly what you thought of that? And what that means. You know, they always tell you it's the, the ride of your life. 
uh, it's definitely the ride of a lifetime. Mm. In that moment, when you're on that float, I'm honoring my donor. I know that I was created at that, you know, at the mo- at that moment for that particular time to just be the shine radiate from my organ donor. And I thought, gosh, if my organ donor knew, their family knew that I was there representing their loved one, and and shining through. Somehow, my smile could just radiate, you know, the joy and the love. I mean, I was, I was throwing out kisses to people which was funny but <laughs> I, I didn't totally know what else to, to say <laughs> I was I was throwing kisses because my friends were like stop we saw you we saw you throwing kisses I said well, did you reach it <laughs> so just throwing kisses and I was so grateful at that moment just saying wow Dot even if this was your last day on earth this was so worth it like nothing can top this too much more because it was just exact heaven and an ecstasy for me because I knew that was just a once in a lifetime feeling and event and I was so grateful to be representing, you know, Texas but my organ donor and just oh I wanted that smile and that love just to radiate through the T V to the millions of people watching to know that how grateful, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I was at the time and still am and and, and that's why I continue to do what I do because I'm so grateful <sighs> for this precious life. I'm just grateful. I'm not doing anything special, I promise you. I'm just oh. sharing my story and I'm just so grateful for this life like every day is a gift for me every single day you know jennifer you know we have coffee time and i'm like that's precious to me because i mean every moment every relationship that i have every hour is such a blessing for me it's a gift of time literally and that was the name of the float uh, for that year was the gift of time which i thought oh my mm-hmm. god come on <laughs> it was meant for me it was destiny okay dot and i'm signing up to be a donor okay you got me you sold <laughs> me on nice. it I have, you got yeah, it just in case. <laughs> I, I already have uh, a heart. I already have a heart. Dot, uh, nice. Dot mentioned it earlier. I mean, she just mentioned it, but um, I'm probably the only transplant administrator in the United States, maybe the world, that twice a month has a passion coach, as what I call the Dot. <laughs> so, um, and and so you all and whoever listens to this podcast is getting a dose of Dot. But um, to like just for me personally, just to reconnect she goes and visits with all of our fresh transplant patients and patients in the clinic and she's at every flag raising she hand delivers the flags after we lower them throughout the entire hospital sharing the message of who that individual saved um, even in our leadership huddle where the entire hospital's cadre of leaders start their morning and um and dot is sharing that flag so that when we return that flag to the donor family literally hundreds of hands and prayers are coming you know have been on it and are coming back with it um so these stories dot shares of her own her own you know what she's gone on and done and families that she's interacted with or recipients that she's met and caregivers that are struggling are just um they're just you know you just I'm a very tall woman since you guys said you heard me talk. And I'm like, when I leave Dot, I feel like I'm eight feet tall. Uh, <laughs> like, I can do anything. <laughs> her energy is just, it emanates throughout. It's, it's Still amazing. smiling, Dot. It's Still true. smiling. I, I, I wonder, Dot, does your car travel over the Sabine River <laughs> east of you guys? Because uh, we certainly love to connect more often. I'm just a hip hop jump away. <laughs> well, Jennifer, Jennifer can certainly spot talent. What a tool to have in your toolbox. But um, when you were talking about this culture of donation, like um, how Dot can make them feel like 
making life happen. Um, that's got to be a win for everyone. It, it is. And and I think something Dot probably, you know, took it and ran with it. Um, we um, have a lot of different ways Dot touches our program and, and, and where we've tried to really instill this culture of donation. And when I said, you know, Dot rounds on the patient, she's really a a front line. How can she connect them to resources? What can they need? Maybe they just want somebody to talk to that has a little more time to spend with them than the staff. Well, you know, without even being asked, DOT takes that to rounding on the staff. Um, so checking in with the staff, giving that staff a hug. And uh, just like you guys said, we're all listening to her and we're smiling, um, you know, that um, just lifting up this whole center and, and those transplant patients has been great. Another thing that we've done that um, Dot really took an idea and ran with and, and is a big partner of our marketing team is um, she often goes armed with a camera. And, um, and so we have a program here at university called the Faces of Transplant. Um, we've, stole, uh, we've stolen uh, voraciously from Humans of New York, where you know you get some candid photos of people and you really try to capture in their own words how they're feeling and, and what they're feeling. And um, the Faces of Transplant, we distribute to donor hospitals, um, back to TOSA and their staff to case managers at our insurance companies. Our ICU staff live by it because they don't get to often see our recipients doing so well and hearing them tell these things in their own mood. So um, DOT rounds constantly has been doing that for years um, to, to capture patient stories along their journey. And that's been another incredibly powerful way to um, keep sharing those stories and giving back. Well, Dot, I can't see. Uh, wait to see what you do tomorrow. Okay, mm-hmm. good stuff. <laughs> All right, so guys, un- unfortunately, we have to wrap this up, but I know that we're going to have you back on the podcast as you continue to do these incredible things. But Jennifer, someone's listening; they want to see faces of transplantation. They want to learn more about what it is that you do, how you do it. Where would you send them? Well, I would. I definitely tell people to hop on to our social media pages at University Transplant Center. Um, you'll definitely get your daily dose of patient stories and a lot of the good things that we're doing. Uh, when we do donor flags, we always consent the donor family and um, and very often share their stories and images from the flag raising as well. And um, and so that's a good place to sort of follow and track what we're doing. Um, I'll be speaking at Donate Life America as well as some open meetings and um, and I'm easy to find <laughs> and um, love to um, have any ideas that we do uh, replicated elsewhere. Perfect. Thank you to Jennifer. Thank you, Dot. Keep on keeping on. We love it. All right, guys, more of the Gifted Life podcast to come. At this point in this episode, we're taking a moment for mental health. Yeah, what does Sarah Blakemore have for us today? Ooh, no pressure. <laughs> All right. She's so taking a picture right now. You see her? <laughs> Selfie. Take, as we're talking about this, I'm recording this for my Instagram story. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So we're going to talk about um, our self-esteem and social media and how it can really take a hit nowadays. So I think we've all, you know, we all follow Instagram or Facebook people who living this perfect life and can make you feel less than or feel less good about yourself. Mm-hmm. So how do we turn that around and how do we feel good 
when there's so much perfection, quote unquote, out there in social media? I guess because I'm older, I don't really pay attention that much mm-hmm. to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do worry about my my daughter. She's 12, right. 13, going on 13 and seeing all this. So I worry how that's going to impact her. But it's not all real because, you know, some people are posting and you're like, that's not how that went down. But OK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Moving on. Scrolling up. <laughs> right. And there's I mean, there's so many celebrities and models who are on social media and they're perfect filters and so how do you and filters and likes and if I'm going to get enough likes but how do you help your kids or help young people know that what they are posting they should feel good about and also they should only be following things or people that make them feel good Mm -hmm. yeah I have I have trouble with it Uh, a lot of times I look at it in a different like almost the opposite I feel bad a lot of times when I see that people have have to focus on posting so much about mm-hmm. their life, put their life lives entirely. What they're eating, what they're how eating, much they what ate. they're doing, how great. <laughs> right. And you, and and of course, oftentimes you know these people well, and you know the struggles that are going on, you know, behind the scenes. And it 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 almost makes me have, you know, I know you say don't feel sympathetic to people, but mm-hmm. in in but, certain ways, I kind of have some sympathy, thinking, man, I, I hate that. You know, they they feel the need to do this so much. Right. And if you're only seeing people who are taking these amazing vacations, it can create this sense of what am I, what don't I have Mm -hmm. instead of what do I have? And so, I mean, social media is great. There's so much connection in it, but it can also create a lot of isolation. So how do you balance that, especially for young people today where a lot of what we do, like we're saying, is on social media. And I think um, especially in the political climate, mm-hmm. um, I'm always like, that one post is not going to change someone's mm-hmm. mind, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I did see someone post, my doctor has advised that I stay off of social media for the next, you know, after the till after the election or, or something. And then I kind of chuckled and I said, no, we, we all should unplug, right? Right. Um, and don't take that too serious. It's just for fun. Yeah, it's for connection. And so post things that make you feel good, that don't have shame or guilt right. in the underlying message. Right. And know that too, um, what you're looking at should bring you joy is what it is. Yeah. Connection I, should bring joy. It shouldn't bring self-doubt and self-loathing. And mm-hmm. I think part of that... You know, you talk about what you're looking at, you know, should bring joy. I think that's part of the filter thing, too. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to remember, especially, you know, those we, we talk about having self-esteem and, and, and you know, self-image issues mm-hmm. and understand that most of that is not natural. Right. Most of that is filtered, most, right. you know, and it's just for that particular shot. Yeah. And that's not something that we need to strive yeah. to, to uh, achieve because they haven't even strived to achieve it. That's mm-hmm. right. You, you know, know, lead by example, live an authentic life and live as authentically on social media as you can. And that really empowers people. I think the most empowering and inspiring stories I see on social media are the ones that are wiped clean of all the glamour. And it's the truth. And people are sharing their stories. So I think that's what we should strive and tell our young people about. Mm-hmm. And that's so what it's all about. it spurs those conversations between me and my daughter who's about to be right. a teen. Just mm-hmm. live, be happy. I'm trying to raise a good human who's just happy with herself mm-hmm. and has goals set. And not um, comparing so we're going to keep her off of social media as long as, yeah, as and, possible. And teach her not to compare her life to others exactly. and to right. live in her truth and her joy. Yeah. Right. 
All right. We like that. Thanks, Miss Sarah. You're welcome. Have some more work to do after this show. <laughs> Pick some of those pictures you got there. All right. Maybe you have a, a topic you want Miss Sarah to cover. Info at thegiftedlife.org. In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. In this segment, we're doing something a little bit different. We've invited our special guest, Dot Delarosa, lung recipient, to honor her hero. Hi, thank you so much. This is an honor of my donor, my hero, my life, my blessing, my breath. And I want to say thank you. I want you to know that every single breath that I take, it's because of you, your selfless gift. I want you to know that every day, that not only me, myself, my family, many generations to come, will be an organ donor and honor you. You are in our daily prayers. It's been nine years, and you've been in our daily prayers, our daily thoughts. Not an event goes by, not a holiday, not an accolade. Nothing goes by, not a breath, without you being the center. And so I want to honor my donor, my hero my breath today and just say thank you. Thank you so much for the gift of life. I know I never met you and I never will, but I love you and I love your family for making this selfless gift. Thank you so much. And now we pause and say thank you to Dodd's hero for the gift of life. On today's question and answer segment, the question is, Lori, I heard, okay, me. I heard you guys yep. did an, a Star Trek episode of the Gifted Life we podcast. did. What is the easiest way for me to find it? Oh, I love it. Number one, I like that you guys are talking about the podcast. And then I'm <laughs> going to give you a one-stop shop. So thegiftedlife.org, thegiftedlife.org. There is a search tab on that page. It has all of our episodes. But in that search tab, you put your keywords in there. So maybe kidney health or brain death, or in this instance, Star Trek, right? And then all the related episodes will just magically populate right there for you to listen to. It's that easy. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for wanting to listen. And hopefully you'll share that with your friends. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for your question. If you have a question, go ahead and email us at info at thegiftedlife.org or call us at 504-648-3477. Another episode of the Gifted Life podcast in the books. Pretty powerful, guys. Yes, it was. Thanks My brain to is reeling. Thanks to Jennifer and Dot for sharing their stories sharing what they do for that area. And she mentioned, you know, not only Texas, but the region. And hopefully, Dot, will get you here across the Sabine. But wow, what a powerful, powerful episode. I'm thinking about her quotes. I love you, but I don't know you. You're mm -hmm. my breath. You're my heart. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So grateful. Um, hopefully we inspired you to register as an organ, eye and tissue donor on this episode. If so, one stop shop, guys. Registerme.org. Registerme.org. It's that simple. And remember, you can always find us, the Gifted Life podcast crew at thegiftedlife.org. And listen to us wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. 
and listen, subscribe, and rate us. On social media, Joey, I know you hang out there. Oh, all the time. <laughs> Not <laughs> you much. Know it. Facebook, we're the Gifted Life Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, we're at Gifted Life Pod. Very easy to follow. We try to have some fun content. A lot of what you hear here on the podcast, you'll see there. It's pretty cool how that works. And no matter what, we hope that you go out and do something you would normally do to help us make life happen. That's what it's all about. Have a great day. This is a production of LOPA, or the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreaux, and Sarah Blakemore. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Carraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez. <laughs>